Pen opened his and removed his He blew on the I've heard that one before, I said. He smirked. Not like this, you haven't. <laughs> it is always a joy when I startle a laugh out of you. I love it. I love it. <sighs> that was a good one. All right. Thank you so much. That's what he said. <laughs> Hi, Nicole. Hi, Ben. How are you? Um, uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's how we're feeling today. <laughs> I'm just like, you know, I don't want to bring down the mood, but also I would want to be honest. I but see, I, I see. I'm, I'm okay. That's good. That's exactly where I'm at. I'm yeah. kind of like, well, I'm here. I'm upright. Yeah. January has been... Whew. I mean, 2020 is like... I don't I don't even know. <laughs> it's been six years long and we're just now in February and it feels like it has been January for like most of my adult life. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out if this is like you know, when you take medicine you feel worse before you feel better. Right. I am hoping that's that's what this is, that like the year is gonna start off kind of you know, kinda poorly. Yeah. To prepare us for some good stuff. Amen. I want it to be bumpy first and smooth later. Yeah. And I like your analogy. Medicine, you get a little bit worse and then you get marvelously yeah. better. I'm hoping that's the case. The good thing is that in the middle of all of this, thirst aid kit and the thirst buckets remain splendid. Yeah, They are the one non-bumpy thing about 2020. That is so true. Our constant pals, <laughs> our constant thirst buckets, just being there and just thirsting accordingly. Yeah, they always, um, you know, they always raise my spirits and I really appreciate Same. that. Same. Shout out to you, thirst buckets. I don't know. Yes. we've said that recently but we mean it we, we say it every week in our hearts so let's say it out loud shout out to you thirst buckets you make us great and we appreciate it seriously we love your enthusiasm and the way that you uh you know share your enthusiasm with other people so that they come and listen to us <laughs> exactly <laughs> we really exactly. appreciate that it's lovely and we saw the evidence of that uh need that thirst buckets have to tell other people <laughs> about thursday kit because we had our very first live show at Sundance. Yes, which was amazing. I mean, I didn't, I don't want to, how do I say this? I, a part of me is, as a British person, mm-hmm. I always, my urge is to downplay stuff and be like, yeah, it's fine. It's mm-hmm, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I didn't anticipate how excited I would get. I thought I was going to be fairly blasé. Like, yeah, we're doing a live show in Sundance. It's whatever. But I got very excited. I was name dropping all over the place. You know, I'm swiping on the apps and I'm like, oh, I'm going out of town. So I may not be able to respond. Oh, where are you going? Oh, I'm just going to Sundance. <laughs> like, I'm a big deal. I'm a huge deal. My podcast is amazing. I'm doing great, guys. That's how I feel. And then we had this show and it was great. And we want to say shout out to everyone who turned up. They were turning people away. We yes. had how many people RSVP'd? We had almost a thousand people. Thank you and good night. RSVP'd. Yes. Okay? yes For bitch. a room that sat 200 people. Listen, if that isn't love, <laughs> I know you shouldn't self validate from outside, right, but right. I promise you, almost a thousand names, I'm feeling myself in the words of B. I'm feeling myself. I'm feeling myself. As we should. Um, That is substantial. And we should not make ourselves small. Because people weren't there just to see us. They were there to see our incredible guests, Daniel Day Kim and Kendrick Sampson. Right. Um, And we want to make sure that we thank Sundance, the Filmmaker Lodge, and of course Dropbox, our sponsors. Shout out to them. And, you know, the people here at Slate who made that incredible. Very much. It was very much a team effort. Like, we're the two people on stage. Mm -hmm. But, like, lots of people had so many hands and fingers and toes and all the good stuff in there to try and make it 
work and it worked and it was great and of course you can go back and listen to it if you haven't heard it yet because it's actually our first episode of this uh, new batch of episodes um, and actually this is our first episode back in the studio proper mm. and so we're really excited about that because yeah. you know we don't take requests but y'all have been telling us that y'all wanted us to talk about this person right for a, a little bit now a little bit and it just so happens that your thirst coincided with ours which mm-hmm. is always how it works I want to be very clear because people keep sending us requests <laughs> guys we don't do requests but we appreciate your enthusiasm and we also always urge you whoever your thirst object is as long as they're not like a full on killer please go forth and thirst with vim and or vigor it's all on you we're not prescribing we're just uh, exploring w- what we like <laughs> Right, you don't need our permission you at don't, all. You, don't. you know, tell us who you're who you're into, but don't expect us to be into them too. How about that? Can you say that? I love that. I love that, Nicole. Yeah, yeah that's a word. Now, who is this person <laughs> that has captured the hearts of thirst buckets and also us? And by hearts, I mean other places too. <laughs> Today we are talking about Penn Badgley. Woo! Penn. Yeah. First of all, what a name. What a name. <laughs> Penn Badgley. This is actually a name that I thought about when I was maybe in the seventh grade and I would be writing down the names of my children and I wanted to <laughs> like give them writerly names. Oh my you God. Know? So, oh like, God, I see. Yes. Pen as in yes. like a writing tool. Yes. Oh my God. It was gonna, if I had like twin uh, twins that were a boy and a girl, uh-huh. the girl was going to be Paige and the uh, boy was going to be Pen. I hate you so much. <laughs> I hate you for that. That is such a pretentious child thing. Like, well, oh I love God. words. And what's your child's name? Oh, you know, Notif. It's like, oh, fuck <laughs> off, fuck off. I love that so much. Pen, pen and page. Yes. Oh, my God. You must have been such a dickhead. Oh, my God. I was such a little nerd. Um, but yes, Pen Badgley. Okay. Mm. Do you know what Pen's middle name is? No, what is it? It's Dayton. Like the city? Like the city in Ohio. Well, exactly. <laughs> Are you going to call your kid that too? No. There you go. There's a line for everybody. So Penn Dayton Badgley, he's our first object this week. I'm very excited for us to get into it. Of course, you all know him from uh, you on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And for some older people, you may remember him from Gossip Girl. Mm-hmm. But we're going to talk about all of those things. What makes Penn so attractive? Mm-hmm. What he could stand to do better, maybe. Mm. What he could stand to do less of or more of or whatever. We have thoughts about Penn and his career. <laughs> He didn't ask for any of this. Please be aware. This is unsolicited. But we have thoughts, Pen, and we're going to get into them. Nicole, are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? (laughs) That was wild aggressive. Are you ready, bitch? (laughs) I think I am. I'm scared now. Most people know Penn from Gossip Girl. Right. And he was on that show for the entirety, six seasons, right? Mm-hmm. From 2007 to 2012. That's a significant amount of time. That's a chunk. That's like network money for like a long while. Yeah. I would have bought a house. <laughs> I'm sure he did. <laughs> <laughs> we know where you live, Penn. <laughs> oh, wow. We'll come back to that <laughs> a little later. <laughs> um, but yeah, so his identity for a very long time was framed as this fictional character, Dan Humphrey. Now, mm-hmm. Nicole, you and I, even though we are mavens of pop culture and have eaten most pop culture diets, right? Gossip Girl is not our ministry. It is not. You know, um, long-time listeners know that I don't really deal with stuff that's like teen-centered or even college-age kind of stuff. I'm just... 
those aren't years that I want to relive. Mm-hmm. I didn't have anything traumatic happen, but it's just not an interesting part of, in my life. And so I don't want to revisit it through I, pop culture. I fully understand. You're all about the grown and sexy. Yeah. As befits your status in life. <laughs> I hear you. And I, even though I love teen stuff, mm-hmm. I was an OG stan of the OC. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I stand by that. Okay. <laughs> Live your truth. Thank you so much. Um, but Gossip Girl never really did it for me. I guess I'm not really into... I don't know that kind of wealthy New York yeah. young people thing. I'm like, if you if you people are kind of like debauched and like wealthy hedge fund managers, shout out to billions, I'm in. But if you're just like some young people wearing nice clothes, I'm just like, nah, fuck you. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> your life and yeah, it, my yay is different to your yay. We're different, so I can't enjoy it in quite the same way. It's a little bit too. New York feels like London to me. You know, mm. if, they, if you're a California teen, I'm like, yeah, okay, that sounds great. Surfing, mm. sure. Mm-hmm. In New York, though, I'm kind of like, what, we get the subway and cabs? All right, like, <laughs> fine. So it's diff- It's difficult. All that to say, I didn't watch Gossip Girl, even though I sold many of the books. I used to work as a bookseller. Mm-hmm. And I remember kind of pressing it into, like, enthusiastic teenage girls. Hands. You should read this. Have you read it? No, no, but you should. Um, <laughs> so I never watched it. So I know of Dan only in bits and bobs. Like, he's kind of like this figure that I hear his name every so often to illustrate something. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I know him from that, but not nearly enough to kind of have like a strong opinion. Yeah, and when people would try to explain to me what Gossip Girl was, it was a little... It wasn't something that they could easily summarize. Mm-hmm. So you had Kristen Bell as a narrator, and then right. there's Dan Humphrey, and then Blake Chase. Lively. Yes, I don't... All these people <laughs> with these ridiculous names, and I was what, just Chase like, Crawford and Penn Badgley? Yes. And I was just like, uh, no, I don't want to deal with that. And, um, you know, obviously I can't help but, you know, get pieces from, you know, the Internet and whatever people are talking about it. Mm -hmm. So when the show ended and people, um, I guess it's not a spoiler to say that Dan Humphrey was Gossip Girl and like all this kind of stuff happened. Yeah. I was just like, what the hell have y'all been watching? Like, it just (laughs) didn't seem interesting. It did remind me, though. And Mm. I guess that's the again, because I don't have, you know, I didn't read any of the books or watch the show. But it did remind me of those um old gossip columns from like the turn of the 20th century yeah. Regency era where there's some anonymous person who uh-huh. is sending in you know town gossip and stuff like that right. and you know talking about people and everyone's trying to figure out who this person is yeah. I get that that does seem intriguing but right. I don't want to look at that for a bunch of rich young people that's the thing I think the setting is what kind of put me off I, I like the intrigue at the core of it there's mm-hmm. this person sending out potential poison pen whatever and yeah. you're like ooh that might yeah. be fun and it's like oh it's about these people I don't care about them Yeah, which no shade to the show I'm sure listen you don't need us to kind of validate your right. love for Gossip Girl you ain't gonna get it here anyway so it's <laughs> fine but I'm glad you brought up the poison pen element because during uh, the run of Gossip Girl between um, the seasons on one of the hiatuses he went off and he did a film which I love very much he did Easy A I love that movie so much <sighs> it came out in 2010 so it was bang in the middle of you know his time right. as Dan and if you, if you go and watch it, uh, if you haven't seen it before, please watch it. And if you have seen it before, go back anyway and look at the state of Penn's neck in this movie. Yes, because I was surprised because, again, didn't watch Gossip Girl. So I don't know what he looked like when he was on that show. Right. And I had forgotten that he, that Woodchuck Todd. 
What a name. <laughs> was Penn and that he was a uh, thick neck white boo, as Listen. we call them. Um, you know, he was looking kind of like a little jock. Very much so. Yeah. Like a pocket sized jock. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Because again, I thought he was, you know, whatever, a human being. Mm-hmm. And then I saw him as Woodchuck Todd and I was like, oh. <laughs> Oh, and there's one bit where he's wearing the body of the mascot and he's got the head off. <laughs> so all you can see is his neck and like his head. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I wouldn't be mad at that. It's a solid looking dude. And his voice oh. with that body, it's not like I'm so used to seeing present day pen. Right. So to go back and hear his voice yes. with that thick neck body, uh-huh. it was like it was some sort of dissonance happening. I was right. like, I don't understand. And then, you know, he's supposed to be in high school and he yeah. clearly is he, not. He looks like a man who's paid tax. Like... <laughs> There is no way he was at school. There's no way. He was filing individually. <laughs> Listen, zero dependence. <laughs> he was out there. <laughs> he's paying his money to Uncle Sam. So it's kind of like for us to pretend that suddenly he's 17 and trying to figure out where he's going to college. I'm like, that man has been to college and has an MFA. Let's all calm down. But, <laughs> but, but, but I'm glad you brought up his voice mm-hmm. because... He has. He's got a nice he's voice. He's got a... Oh. Now, last time we spoke about uh, Jake Johnson. <laughs> mm. We spoke about that Chicago rasp. Mm-hmm. We spoke about how his voice kind of like just warms you. It kind of like scratches like... You know you know when you know when you scratch the back of a dog's ear and its leg starts going? <laughs> okay, I wasn't sure where you were going. I didn't know what was happening. Bitch, yes. pay attention. Um, <laughs> yes, I'm with you now. Okay. Yes. You know that sensation of something so soothing that it almost makes you kind of like you, you get like a knee jerk. Yeah. That his voice does that too. It's like he starts speaking and I relax into my body. Like I kind of like exhale. Because yeah. it's so it's so deep. Yeah. And it's kind of like melodious. And yes, he's a singer, he's a musician mm-hmm. at other times. And you know, the lazy thing is kind of like, you know, maybe that ties it together. But as just a speaking voice, it's so rich and mm-hmm. warm and mm-hmm. it sounds like like cocoa. It sounds like a hot chocolate. And it's just like this really kind of like I, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily fit with him, which I think is part of its allure to me. It seems like he would be a really good father mm. with that voice. You know, the the, the kind of dad is not he's never going to raise his voice at you, uh-huh. but he's always just going to be, you know, I think we need to talk about what you did today. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a father. It sounds like a daddy, but I'm going to stop. I'm trying to be nice. I, I, know, I, I know I know you are. I know. I know you don't like the daddy. I don't. I do. I, Pen, I do. Oh, my Pen, God. if you're listening. Pen, the name of my fictional son. If you're I mean, listening. there's a connection. There is. Um, but no, he want to get together and make Paige. I'm saying, Pen. Listen. Said Nicole. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> my eggs are drying up. You got to hurry. You got to hurry. I'm so upset. I hate you so much. Carry but on. he just seems like he would, you know, he would talk to you in this uh, measured tone. Yes. And it, you would just be like, uh-huh, sure, whatever you say. Mm. I understand. And, you know, it just seems like he's just really, he understands the power of tone. So I'm glad you said that. And I think also you nailed it with the word measured. Because the thing about him is, especially in a role that we're going to get to eventually on you. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to slip into melodrama 
or mm. kind of like over the top kind of ridiculata where you're kind of like, all right, this is already a preposterous storyline. And now we're going to throw this into it. Mm-hmm. And instead he does this great trick. And I know the writers are doing what they do. The directors are doing what they do. Mm-hmm. But he's also doing a very good job of like modulation. He's vo- his voice never goes above or below a certain octave when he does deploy it to kind of do something either like, oh my God, or something very kind of, he's so good at it. He's mm-hmm. measured. He knows exactly how much of it to pour into the jug. And then he just stops and he shuts the tap off exactly correctly. Yes. It's so good. Yes. Because, you know, he's not like the most dynamic, oh my God, a mini Brando. That's not what you're getting with him. Mm-hmm. But you are getting someone who I think very quietly has been working on craft and, you know, IDs the places where he can deploy some kind of pow. And then he he he, he delivers. He gives that. I, I, I'm drawn to his voice, I think, because I know he is working it. And I'm I'm excited to see somebody kind of handle their ability in such a clear and good way. I, I trust him. I, I think to myself, if he's doing this, there's a reason. And more often than not, it's born out. And I like that about him. I can depend on him for that. I like your analogy of him pouring his voice into a jug because that's what he... That's what I picture, kind of. Um, like, he's talking to you, and he's filling up this glass, and you're kind of leaning towards him, watching mm-hmm. the glass fill up to right to the edge where you think it's going to spill over. And you're just kind of hovering in anticipation, right. trying to figure out what's going to happen next. So you're on the edge. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Wow. Man, we, are, we are so good. <laughs> Shout out to us. We are so, so good. I wish y'all could have seen us just kind of like hovering in our seats right now. <laughs> I'm going to do a neat segue because you said about mm. his voice and pouring it and w- w- waiting on the edge. Speaking of that, mm. and we're going to get deeper into this. He obviously did a very cute little interview uh, recently mm-hmm. with W Magazine. Mm-hmm. And it was him exploring ASMR. Oh, yes. And I just think that's a perfect way for us to think about how he deploys his voice. You. You. Uh, It's still ongoing, so I'm not sure what to say about it, except that, as I said before, it's a little bit of a meta-progression of Dan Humphrey. Just now he's murdering people. And now, no one can get enough of him. (laughs) Why is that? Why are we so attracted to murderous people? Why are we so willing to forgive them, no matter who they murder? No matter how violent they are towards women, how is it that we're willing to forgive this guy? I know it's partly my fault because of the way I play him and the way I look. So my apologies. Well, <laughs> this clip was first brought to my attention from Twitter when someone, you know, they took that moment and they posted it and they said, this clip has me feeling feral. <laughs> And I, I was like, what? No, whatever. And I love thirsty women. She said feral. feral. Amazing. Amazing. But I understand. Uh-huh. Because, the, I mean, you know, I like certain ASMR. Uh-huh. Not the voice stuff. Not typically things like this. No, you love the, the soap cutting. Yeah, the soap cutting and the sand cutting and that kind of thing. But this, um, I'm with it. I, I, I can I can deal with it and you it does it. give you a little like thrill probably because it's Penn doing it. That's very you know? true. Yeah. But if I didn't know it was him, I think I'd still get a little scratchy feeling in my stomach. Mm. Like it feels again, it's like yeah, it feels like a belly rub, that particular clip. Because yeah. if you look at the clip, um, which we will post on our Tumblr, 
he kind of is between two mics mm-hmm. and he's kind of alternating. Yeah. And so you get like a different quality in each ear mm-hmm. and the sensation is like someone scratching you is, is how I experience that. Yeah. So that feels nice. Like someone just kind of like scratching your belly or your scalp. Yeah. Like Ooh. it's tingly. Yeah. Yeah, I feel good listening to that. And <laughs> the content of what he was saying was also very, very important, lest we forget. He's talking about his character in You. Right. The show on Netflix, his right. character is Joe Goldberg. Fucking Joe. Joe is a murderer. Joe is a killer. He's a stalker. <laughs> he um he's a public masturbator. Oh right. Yeah. yeah. He's not a great guy no. in any way, by no. any stretch. No. And you know, I think the show tries to soften him a bit because so far there have been two seasons. And in each season there is a teenager or a young child in the building or the complex where he lives that he kind of adopts and looks after um right because as we learn he has had a difficult childhood right they're meant to be like avatars yeah to his past. yeah right. um and you're supposed to be like oh he can't be all bad if he's looking after these kids <laughs> the bar is in hell <laughs> but that's not enough it's like okay he looked after these two kids but how many bodies does he have like <laughs> He's out here murdering people, but what? Because he casts a kind eye on like a child who's like a latchkey kid. We're mm-hmm. supposed to be like, well, I guess he was uh, Mr. Rogers after all. No, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. Mr. Rogers never did it in a bush outside one of his like stalkies homes. <laughs> Let's be very clear. <laughs> this guy is not a good guy. He's actually, he is, he is the epitome, the worst case scenario of a nice guy. Yes, he absolutely. He walks around and he believes that the world owes him something for his difficult past. He mm-hmm. believes that something is owed to him. And then he goes about and he acts in a way that, yeah, lives up to that feeling. Mm-hmm. He is someone who is possessive and obsessive. He is someone who literally stalks. He plans, like, you know, entire events. He's out here trying to do, like, mathematical fucking equations, trying to figure out how to get the object of his terrible desire in his sight so that he can enact whatever plan he has. Mm -hmm. He's a bad man through and through. And fundamentally, because the internet is the internet, where, again, not to kink shame anybody, but there are people who really want to fuck Pennywise from It. There are people (laughs) who want to fuck Venom from Venom. Mm -hmm. Monster fuckers. There are all of you out here just doing what you do. And you know what? Live your kink. Be safe and be, you know, consensual and all that jazz. But Joe, as a human man, as a real person, he's a bad man. He's awful. And people fancy the fuck out of him. He's quite irredeemable. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair. To be frank. And as Penn mentioned in that ASMR clip, people forgive him because he's kind of cute. That's it. He looks like... You know, a regular guy that you would see on the street, which is also a part of the way that Joe is able to get away with all the things that he gets away with is because he looks so regular. He looks so unassuming. Mm-hmm. You just think, oh, this is a guy that works in a, in a bookstore. Of course he works in a bookstore. You know, where else would he work? Right. Right. And I love it because there are moments when he has like the occasional kind of like running with like the cops mm-hmm. and he is able to kind of just like slip out. Yes. Because he's a white guy who kind of is reasonable sounding and mm-hmm. he kind of goes, oh, what's that officer? What? I'll be sure to let you know if I see anything. Absolutely. He's mm-hmm. not even a suspect. In sometimes on the crime scene. Right. 
And they just kind of go, absolutely, sir. Yeah, you give us a call. And I'm just kind of like, look at this. And so in that way, it's a very sly kind of like, look what you'll let an average white guy get away with. Mm-hmm. How much more so if they're powerful or rich or whatever. Right. Because this is just, the, this is the most basic model. Right. It's a guy in a bookshop wearing an apron. Right. And we're all kind of like, well, he can't have done it. Oh, well, you know, he had a hard upbringing. How much more so if it was some rich guy, if it was some prince, if it was some scion of like a business family. Like, it's levels to it. But he even this guy can get away with literal murder. Right. Because he is not wealthy. He lives in, you know, lower middle class. Yeah. Uh, Grotty apartments. Yeah. So he's not well off at all. So there's no reason for these people to believe him other than he just happens to be a white man. Right. Right. And he gets away with all of this stuff. Must be nice. Really and truly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's something Penn keeps coming back to where he's kind of like, hey, listen, I'm so grateful you all watching this show Mm -hmm. love the numbers love to be in the number one show on whatever but like explore why you fancy a killer and i appreciate that for again like i said the bar is so low it is actually in hell Mm -hmm. but i'm grateful that there is at least one person kind of going hey this thing that you're doing examine that right and as much as Penn has talked about this in all of his interviews he has not talked about it with us so he needs to come into the studio (laughs) good point well made (laughs) amazing amazing segue I appreciate that let's hear a little clip now from the first episode of season one of you where Penn is displaying every terrible nice guy characteristic all at once and yet somehow is doing it so convincingly that you might be fooled yourself okay I'm going for it Good, you won't regret it. I better not. Paula Fox, nice. You know, she was uh, Courtney Love's maternal grandmother. That's why I'm buying it. You have enough cash to cover this, but you want me to know your name. Guinevere? Yeah, my parents were assholes with the whole naming thing, but everyone just calls me Beck. And you're Joe? Goldberg. Everyone calls me Joe. Aren't you going to tell me to have a nice day? You have a nice day, Beck. You have one yourself, Joe. You smiled, laughed at my jokes, told me your name, asked for mine. She read her number on there? She was on you hard? No, she was just being nice. I'd be Googling the hell out of her right now. You know her full name? It's pretty aggressive, Ethan. What do I tell you? Always be closing that shit. It's interesting. (laughs) Because in that scenario, outwardly, he's Mm -hmm. like the reasonable person. That's pretty aggressive, Ethan. Right. How dare I Google someone? I just met her. What? Meanwhile, he knows where she lives. Already. (laughs) He has already creepily, like, stalked her, Mm -hmm. knows her habits, has established a whole fucking serial killer style profile of her. Mm -hmm. And then outwardly, again, it just shows the very delicate way that guys can say that they are feminists and they are allies. And and it's like, meanwhile, sir, you have got a whole underground dungeon that is looking (laughs) for someone to to fucking inhabit it. And it's just like terrifying. Right. And for the like four of you out there who have not watched the show... Joe does a lot of voiceovers letting us know what's going on in his mind. So 
you know, it's interesting because sometimes Netflix will put out on their Twitter account, on their social media, they'll put out um, clips of the show without the voiceover. So we get to see Penn making these really strange and, you know, (laughs) exaggerated faces as he's giving the voiceover and people are just kind of like watching him in the middle of conversation. So it's just kind of weird to see him in these conversations where people are just staring at him, waiting for him to continue the flow of the conversation but he's having this inner dialogue for us and it just looks really weird and funny yeah um so if you can find some of those maybe we'll put some in our tumblr so you can see how that looks yeah so the thing about uh joe on you is that he is this oddly compelling character mostly because the show is built around him so you have to watch him mm-hmm. but one of the things i really love about penn's performance in this you know terrible <laughs> guy mm-hmm. role is that he is clearly having a ball. Yes. I think the writing is, for the most part, you know, really considered and is trying something. And I'm, I'm really glad that there is a show that's trying to kind of put specific ideas out into the world. And, you know, I, I, that's great. I think the direction is also really solid. But I think there's something about Penn in particular. I think he's someone who has a very finely tuned uh, sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And so I think he, he reads the line. And I imagine, I, I you know, a part of me wants to really kind of talk to the writers and kind of say, hey, the way Penn delivers that, that line delivery, is that what you expected when, you know, you wrote it? Because the writer has a vision, the director has a vision, the actor has a vision. Mm-hmm. And the, the joy and the dream, shout out to the editing room, is where everything kind of comes together and sounds exactly as all three parties imagined. And I think there's something about the way, you know, there are moments when Joe will have a particularly uh, ludicrous thought mm-hmm. and Penn will play it. So, so funny. Um, there's a bit in season two where he sees a new woman who could well be the new kind of target of his obsessive affections. And he has a similar kind of uh, spiel where, that he had in season one where he's kind of noting, you know, the woman's characteristics and this and that. And he begins to have, he begins to go down this thing and then he stops himself and he was like, no, fuck, no, you're not doing this again. And the way he has the thought, so we hear him have like expressed the thought in voiceover and then you look at Penn and his whole face just kind of crumples and rearranges or he's kind of like, oh man, I'm doing it again. It's so funny. Even though you think this guy is evil. Mm-hmm. I want to kind of go b- go back to the way Penn looks. Uh, please, let's do that. <laughs> he is, um, you know, we we talked about EZA where he was kind of thick. Yeah. But now he has slimmed down. He's yeah. more of, I guess, what his regular or I don't want to say regular body, but his body when he is not trying to be a, a muscle bound jock. Right. You know, he's slim. He's a little slight. Yeah. He's got kind of like a little a little big lollipop head. He does. Yeah. Happening. He looks like a classic indie boy musician. Yes. Like yes. I can see him with a guitar. I can see him kind of like doing that thing that, you know, singers do in those bands where they kind of bow their heads a little bit and they rock a little bit. <laughs> like I can see him so clearly as those things. And yeah, that's kind of like the thing. That's a shape he settled into. Right. And, you know, he did play Jeff Buckley in a film from 2012 called Greetings from Tim Buckley. Aww. So that's very appropriate. You're spot on there. <laughs> Don't you love Jeff Buckley, Nicole? I love him so much. I know you do. I, uh, Your face has gone all soft. You love him so much. I do love him. And I think Penn um, captured him very well nice. in that film. That's hard so. to do. Yeah, it is. Mm. Go back and watch it. Um, <laughs> so, but I like, you know, I like the lollipop. You love it. And you I had did. a, Ethan, <laughs> you, you, you absolutely love it. And you had a very memorable uh, tweet where you were kind of just like, enjoying Penn's lollipop head situation. <laughs> there is a clip where Penn um, 
is with this singer and they're um, kind of dancing along to his music and Penn hits the whoa, <laughs> the dance. You can Google it. And I... <laughs> <laughs> all right look at you exhaling <laughs> joyfully all right i tweeted i keep trying to tell y'all these white boys that look like stop motion christmas puppets will sneak up on you but y'all don't hear me because <laughs> that's how he looks he looks like the little boy from those rudolph the reindeer movies you know back from the 80s and stuff like that that's what he looks like because he's got this little sharply sloping nose yes. that's kind of flat at the end that yeah. you know I think is perfect for certain certain things activities that, yes yeah. that we can't say <laughs> <laughs> it's a great nose good job to you Pam. I love that nose um, <laughs> you know and he's got like this little you know a, f- a full forehead shall we say and yep. then his hair is kind of floppy but thick and, it's wild it's, he, yeah. he's got a big head of hair when it's when he lets it grow yes. it's like a full on like halo of hair mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he has like quite a small face in that head yes. so it's like oh are you a puppet sir yes so yeah when I saw your tweet I did think to myself oh my god that's who he reminds me <laughs> of like if you put like a bit of rouge on his cheeks yes he'd be like a little drummer boy in one of those animations yes it's actually so I looked at at, at that point I thought wow Nicole is a poet <laughs> she's so good she's an accurate she just reads popcorn i was so yeah that's exactly what he looks like i love that i love that he is like not yes he's like basically attractive mm-hmm. but he's not he doesn't look like anyone else right which i appreciate right because his got a face little, is yeah he's he's got a little gap between his, his teeth, teeth are not perfect now as a british person but also as a british nigerian so i have two sides to this as a nigerian my teeth are excellent because i'm nigerian shout out to that black goodness but as a Brit, I appreciate people with bad teeth because mm. I think it adds character to our national uh, situation. <laughs> all right, it's not. We don't believe in orthodontists and all that shit. You know what I'm saying? The teeth make the character. All right. So <laughs> every so often, I encounter an American who hasn't had work done, whether mm. that's braces as a child yeah. or whatever, or even as an adult. And a part of me is kind of like, good for you. You are bucking the fucking system because if you were in Britain, you'd fit right in. Here, though, you stick out like a sore thumb. And what I love about Penn Badgley is he looked at his teeth and he was like, nothing to fix. And the Brit in me cheered. I was like, yeah, leave those gaps in. <laughs> no, actually, he did have braces. But you're supposed, you know, sometimes you're supposed to have uh, retainers after yeah. the braces. He did not put the retainers My in man. and let them reshift. And so that's why you've got some of those little See, gaps. That, and doesn't it give his face character? It does. There it does. Go. I like it. I would like to see what his like original original teeth were right. looking like just to see just to compare just like, you know a bunch of scattered tombstones in yeah. like a mouth that's fine yeah i'd love his teeth i think it adds something to it because he doesn't have like a proper like middle gap it's it's gappy all the way like yeah. it's little gaps everywhere i think it means that when he smiles and he's being rakish yeah it really gives you something to look at yeah you're like oh that dude is cute but he's not like perfect yes he's very attainable yes he's very normal and when he smiles, his teeth always show, but mm-hmm. only the very edges of them. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, I always want to think, what are you laughing at? Mm-hmm. What are you smiling at? I really, mm-hmm. I am intrigued by it because I think it, it, it delivers something. It also means when he's being super sharp, like he was <laughs> in the video on Variety, you know, they do the actors and actors like mm-hmm. interviews. Mm-hmm. And there was one where they paired him with Gina Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. And she's talking about his work on Gossip Girl. And, oh, uh, yeah. uh-huh. and he corrects her because she says Gossip Girls. Yes. Uh, we have a little clip. I watch Gossip Girls like crazy. Did you gossip guys get? Girl. And the way he says Gossip Girl, like if you watch the video. He's so sassy. He's so sassy. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know. 
<laughs> it makes me laugh every time because it, he just says it. He almost does it like a little hand. Yeah. He's like, uh, gossip girl. <laughs> yes. It's very much like, oh, excuse me, get it right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then she corrects herself. But it's just the way he says it. Uh, gossip girl. Okay, you can disrespect many things, but not the fucking show I was on. All right, babes? <laughs> I just love it so much. It's very good. But yes, I think there's something about him that is like effortlessly just kind of like, oh, give me more of that. Yeah. He's very he's very watchable. Yeah. You just want to keep looking at him. And he always surprises you with the things that he talks about. You know, in this day and age, when we call somebody woke, it's both an insult <laughs> and also a compliment yeah. or whatever. He tries to be... You know, in, an informed person, I right. should say. I think let's use that correct word. Yeah. Yes, yes. He tries to be informed and then to share that information yeah. with the rest of the world about various subjects, you know. Um, and one of the things that he talks about is his love of music. Yes. He has been talking about D'Angelo for a very long he loves him some d'angelo he, he has been talking about him for a long time listen a mighty long time and it's consistent because mm-hmm. again sometimes you feel like for many people outside of black culture you think to yourself oh this is a fad for you you're enjoying something because it's suddenly popular or it's in the mainstream or it's mm-hmm. whatever and so i always take whenever white people like stuff that is black i'm always kind of like cute i guess right but you don't like, get cookies for this you don't get cookies because what do i do with that and to be fair we're not giving pen any cookies here he just not likes this artist and but what i do like is his consistency he mm. said listen until the day i die <laughs> all i'm gonna do <laughs> is talk about d'angelo <laughs> and he just never stops and in fact very recently uh, at the end of january he retweeted something from npr music it was um a celebration they were basically explaining that D'Angelo's seminal album, um, Voodoo, was released on that day, January 25, 20 years ago. So this is like, at this point, a de- two decades long of classic music from D'Angelo. Mm-hmm. And Penn retweeted it and he added his own little two cents. And he said, this has been my sole favorite record, leagues beyond the rest, since I was old enough to understand it about 15 years ago. And I just thought to myself, this boy. Yes. <laughs> and he finishes it. He says, I wait for the day it is eclipsed by anyone. That's powerful. That you love something when you say that. Like it cannot be eclipsed. Yes. Are you sure? And Penn said, I am sure because he never stopped. And in fact, there's also like a performance, like there's a video of him. Yes. He performs Brown Sugar. It's not even for him. He like kind of interrupts someone else's set and gets on stage (laughs) to perform Brown Sugar. And we have, we'll play a little clip of that. All right, listen. Well, <laughs> we give cookies to no one. But. <laughs> The crumbliest crumb, like the smallest speck of a crumb. Because, you know, it affected me and I'm sorry. I'm sorry to be so basic. But I I love that song. Yes. Number one, you have to have a certain level of confidence to sing D'Angelo to sing Brown Sugar by D'Angelo. He's not your everyday vocalist. No. No one sounds like D'Angelo. There have been many attempts and they have all fallen drastically short. 
and that's not to say Penn sounds anything like D'Angelo, mm-hmm. but it's a it's a it's an accomplished musician making sounds that don't sound terrible. Yes, on a classic record. Yes, from a classic voice, and you know what? You get ten points, Gryffindor, just for that. <laughs> <sighs> Now, Penn is a married man. He is. And we don't, you know, we don't talk about much of that, you know, people's personal lives and all that kind of stuff. But Penn, (laughs) I just want you to know. (laughs) Respectfully. Respectfully. I'm here. (laughs) We're here. The studio is here. I honestly believe that we would have a fascinating conversation. Absolutely. Like, all jokes aside, we would definitely have the kind of conversation that Penn has been craving from certain interviews. I think so. You can sometimes see the light go out in his eyes when he's like, oh, that's what we're going to talk about. Yes. And I'm like, Pen, allow us to ask you the questions that you so clearly are burning to be asked. <laughs> so just come on in and let's talk. Come on into the studio. Just come on you in, know. We're in Brooklyn. It's like a bus ride for you. Right. Come through. All right, Ben. All right, Nicole. <laughs> it is now time for Fanfic Wars. You know what? We didn't do this last week, mm. and I missed it. Yeah. But, like, I feel like Penn is the correct person to... It would have been weird to do a Daniel Day Kim travel yes. in front of him. Yes. So then, Daniel unzipped. No, no. we're not doing that. No. <laughs> he's right there. Um, but this week, I'm excited because Penn, I think, be- because he's played such uh, intimately known characters, mm-hmm. most recently, we've seen him in very kind of, like, you know at-home scenarios. He's very mm. kind of, like, internal. Mm-hmm. So you have lots of thoughts about what that might manifest. And he's done a lot of press recently as well mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. go with. So, like, you see more of him. You see what makes him laugh. You see what he enjoys. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of been like, oh, this is, like, a rich and fertile ground to kind of, like, you know, dip my uh, fanfic quill into the ink. <laughs> you didn't know where I was going to go I, with that, did no. you? Yeah. <laughs> Once again. <laughs> Had you by the neck, you said... <laughs> So this week I've written a small thing. Uh, it might be too long. I apologize. I know we every so often somebody will say it's not a drabble. You're right. A drabble is a hundred or fewer words, and right. we're not doing that. But we like the word drabble, and we're going to use it because it's our podcast. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> this is my drabble about uh, fictional pen. Um, you, can, are you ready, Nicole? I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> I believe you. You look all alert and shit. Eyes bright. I'm, I'm ready. All right. <laughs> okay. The alarm going off at 6.30 startled me even though I'd been the one who set it optimistically the night before. Beside me, I felt Penn reach blindly for my phone to shut it off. A few seconds after it was finally blessedly silent, I heard him sigh tiredly in the winter dark. All right, run time, he said. I exhaled, a sort of twin to his sigh, and rolled on my side to look at him. He was on his back, right arm flung above his head, his profile sharp in the greyish light of dawn. I didn't want to go for a run, not at any time, and certainly not on this dark, frigid winter morning. I groaned, a rumble of discontent about previous poor life choices. Next to me, Penn chuckled, the sound of a man delighted to not be going on an outdoor run. You'll be fine once you're out there, he said. I felt the bed bounce as he got up, and then, a few moments later, the thump of my running shoes hitting the floorboard by the bed. I opened my eyes to see him wearing a crooked smile, eyes still at sleepy half-mast, nighttime sweats all wrinkled. I filled your water bottle, he said. There's toothpaste on your brush. And this, he pulled out something from his pocket as his eyes glittered, is a banana, even though, yes, I am always happy to see you. I laughed despite (laughs) myself and begrudgingly swung my legs out of bed. 
In two minutes, I was in my leggings and t-shirts, finishing the banana and heading to the bathroom to wash my face and brush my teeth. His voice wafted over from the bedroom. I made you a playlist for this, he said. Check your phone. I popped my head around the corner. Who's on it? D'Angelo, of course, he said, already settling back under the covers. <laughs> Lots of classic R&B. That will make me run faster, I said. It's not supposed to, he said. It's supposed to make you want to run home. Mm -mm. Then he winked. <laughs> Come on, D'Angelo, inspire that shit. It's nasty. I like it. <laughs> oh my god! Why do you sound like that? <laughs> oh, that was good. I like that. One. Oh, you did. Mm, yes. <laughs> you sound like an R and B interlude. I like that one. <laughs> Nicole, I am excited to hear your travel. Oh. Um, I feel like, you know, the time away has only annoyingly strengthened your powers. Uh. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, devastate me, Nicole, or whatever. I'm ready. Are you oh, ready? Boy. I guess so. <laughs> That's the spirit. <laughs> <clears throat> I signaled to the bartender to close me out and sent one last glance to the door. While I waited for my debit card, I pulled out my phone and began sending several angry texts to the date who'd stood me up, to my friends who were waiting for juicy details. Someone approached my right side and placed a hand on the bar stool I'd been foolishly saving. I turned the full force of my frown to them and a man with a cartoonishly cute face and cautious smile raised both hands at me. Whoa, he said, flashing the smallest of gaps from the world's naughtiest old wives' tales. I was just going to ask if this seat is taken. My face cleared a bit but remained cloudy. You can take it, I bit out before returning to my phone. The bartender dropped off a small clipboard with my check and card. You're leaving, the stranger asked. Was that disappointment, I heard? I raised my eyes to him again. I caught him trying to read my text messages and sent a brow up in admonishment. He shrugged. Your thumbs look angry, he said, one side of his mouth curling into a sheepish apology. He hadn't sat down but had moved between the stool and the bar so his body faced me. I clocked his hair, dark and pullable, his hands, jewelry-free, his shoes, worn but quality. What's your name, I asked. Maybe my night wasn't completely wasted. Pen, he replied. Pen, I said back, annoyance keeping my accent thick and making his name two and a half syllables. He chuckled. If that's how you say my name, then yes. Can I buy you a drink? Will that help soothe your angry thumbs? Sure, I said putting my phone away yes bitch you better soothe those thumbs you better <laughs> you good i'm good do you want to light a cigarette or something? no i'm okay. gonna have a sip of my cold drink uh, <laughs> amazing i can see him in that bar right now i mean you know williamsburg what's up <laughs> Let's go right now. Let's go to Williamsburg. Let's see whose thumbs we can soothe. That was uh, magnificent, Nicole. Thank you thank so much. Thank you. Thank you. I think we both had good travels today. You know, I'm inclined to agree. Yeah. You know, there are some weeks where you feel extra good. Right. Yeah. This is one of them. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, all right. I think yeah. we all sat down and we we, we dipped our quills. All right. <laughs> some solid panic. Now look. we need it. Yeah. We needed that break. Yeah. Refresh. I think so. Mm -hmm. And I like I like what we came out with. Yeah. I'm good. You know, listen, ultimately, Nicole and I love everything we write. We think we're writing gold every fucking week. <laughs> you, the first bucket listener at home, you get to decide which one was your favorite. Now, we often say 
there are no losers. Mm-hmm. Everyone's a winner mm-hmm. because you get to enjoy a drabble. We get to enjoy a drabble. And then you just basically vote for the one that, you know, maybe tickled your heart a little bit. Maybe it um, touched something. Maybe <laughs> your thumbs were soothed. <laughs> maybe there was a banana in some sweatpants. You don't know. <laughs> you can vote for your favorite on our Twitter, which is at Thirst Aid Kit. And we put that up on the Friday. So, you know, we give you like 24 hours to kind of sit in each drabble and, you know, Insert yourself, lol, as it were. (laughs) Bitch. That's an English word that's correct to use. Thank you. Um, Anyway, go find us on Twitter at Thirst Aid Kit. Vote for your favorite Drabble. And yeah, nobody's a loser. Everyone's a winner. It's all good. Thirst Aid Kit is a slate production produced by Cher Vincent and us, Nicole Perkins and Bim Adewunmi. Our music is by Tanya Morgan. You can follow the show on Twitter at First Aid Kit, and we're at Bim Adieu, that's B-I-M-A-D-E-W, and T-N Whiskey Woman, that's T-N Whiskey with an E, Woman. Plus, we're on Tumblr at thirstaidkitpodcast.tumblr.com. If you send a question, even anonymously, we might could answer it. Some of you Thirst Buckets live tweet your listen every week, and we want you to know we see you and we appreciate you. If you want to join them, please use the hashtag TACPOD, that's T-A-K-P-O-D, or you can write us an email containing your thoughts to thirstaidkit at slate.com. If you want to use our Thirst Sommelier service, you can send us a short, and we do mean short, message. The number is 510-984-4778. That's 510-9-THIRST. Non-US Thirst Buckets can send us a short voice note via email at thirstaidkit at slate.com. You can find all of our episodes and links to listen at slate.com slash podcast. We have an announcement. Starting this week, we'll be doing a bonus segment every episode that's just for Slate Plus members. In these bonus segments, we'll have recurring discussions about high-priority first items. Stuff like rolled-up shirt sleeves or grey sweatpants. Other times, we'll have on special guests to talk about their thirst objects in something we call Explain Yourself, where our guests try to convince us to join the thirst bandwagon of people we don't quite see it for. Basically, you'll get an extra dose of Thirst Aid Kit every week, so you don't want to miss out. But to listen, you'll have to join Slate Plus. Slate Plus is Slate's membership program, and for just $35 for the first year, you'll get a little extra from this show and all other Slate shows, like Dear Prudence, The Waves, and Culture Gabfest, to name a few. You'll also get to listen to all Slate shows without ads. But most importantly, you'll be supporting the work we do here at Thirst Aid Kit. So please sign up and you'll start hearing these premium sips this week. Head over to slate.com slash thirstaidplus to sign up. We'll be back next week. And in the meantime, please thirst responsibly. That means thirsting with headphones, with some refreshments, and where possible, with friends. Bye. Okay, so tell us why we should... Let go of our ambiguity and get on board the Harry Styles train. Look at that. Choo-choo. She's a poet. I, there are so <laughs> many reasons that, that in my head, and it's, oh, it's hard to pick just, you know, it's hard to narrow it down. Because mm-hmm. there's the, like, physical attractiveness that I'm, that I finally, like, you know, he's a man now. Yes. Yeah. We're, we're past the, like, greasy teenage boy. Mm-hmm. I think he's... He's aging very well. 
So I, ex- explain the. <laughs> you've made a little kind of chef's kiss gesture yes. with your fingertips here. He's aging very well. I'm just saying, like the muscles are coming in in, in the right spot. I was going to say, mm-hmm. what is the physic? So explain the physicality because when I look at him. I'm not feeling overcome with lust for his body. I've got to be honest. And, you know, all bodies are great. Shout out to bodies. But, like, when you look at Harry Styles, what part, what do you think to yourself? Yes, that's that's my type. I think now, I mean, just, like, purely the shallowest, the shallowest part of my soul now is, like, he's got really good pecs now. Oh. I feel like the the man breasts are, are coming in very nicely. <laughs> coming in very nice. Wow. 